0: Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. All right, welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Dorian Karchmar. Dorian is a literary agent at William Morris Endeavor, one of the most important and highest profile talent agencies. So, Dorian, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Tell us, uh, where are you in the world? I have a feeling you're in New York.
1: I am. We have offices all around the world, actually, but I, I am in the New York office. Much of the publishing world is based in New York, so it's the only place to be.
0: And now, I just described who you are, where you work. Could you tell us, in your own words, um, you know, what you do and where you work, just to kind of summarize it?
1: Yeah, of course. I work at William Morris Endeavor in the literary department, the book department. You know, book agents are a little bit of a different animal from talent agents or managers. We're in a sense a a book agent, a literary agent is is an author's manager and agent rolled into one. So um, our department here, we're pretty robust department. I think we're about 13, 14 agents in a foreign rights division, and we represent nonfiction authors, fiction authors, young adult writers, but the agents in this department work strictly with, uh, with book authors, not with screenplay writers That's, or, or playwrights. So those are their own divisions and departments. It's a, it's a little bit of a
0: separate um, entity. Are those agents also called literary agents? How do you define, how do you know from the title of an agent, whether they... Right. That,
1: yeah, a literary agent, that nomenclature pretty much belongs to book agents. Got it. Otherwise, you're uh, you know, a talent agent working with screenplay writers, or you're a theater agent. But book agents are, are called literary agents.
0: Um, Before we dive into what you do, would you mind just walking us through uh, your journey for how you got to where you are in your career? I imagine you maybe worked your way up. Did you start as an assistant?
1: I worked my way up, but I did not work my way up here. I started out, I went to graduate school and actually did a master's in fine arts in creative nonfiction writing. And it was In that period that I kind of realized what literary agents did and put that together with my own interests and abilities and realized that that was a career path that could check off a lot of boxes for me. Um, So I really made the the determination during graduate school that I wanted to be here in New York, which is where I grew up, and in fact wanted to work in the business of books um, rather than work as a working writer. So I I came back to New York and I got the first job I could find in in a literary agency. I did not want to work for a big publishing house. I wanted something much more entrepreneurial. I come from an entrepreneurial family and I did not want to work in a very hierarchical corporate environment. I wanted to be master of my own success, let's say. So I found the first job I could find at a a small literary agency. Many literary agencies remain small, actually. There are a number of sole practitioners or small boutique agencies. Anyway, at at this time, about 20 years ago, I found a small agency that was looking to hire an assistant. And I came in and just started working as an assistant, the sole assistant for four agents. And it was terrific because every piece of paper and every phone call crossed my desk, which meant it was extremely hectic. But it also meant that I was exposed to everything that went on in the agency. And it was really my own curiosity was my only potential barrier to learning. So I was exposed to everything. I had amazing colleagues who were willing to answer a million questions that I had every day about the business, which I I found the business fascinating. And I ended up uh, being at that little agency and working my way up there and building little by little my my own list. I just kind of jumped in and on my own time started developing projects that I thought I could sell and finding talent that I thought I could be additive to. And little by little over about a five year period, I worked my way into the role of agent in my own right. And then I made a change over to what was then the William Morris Agency. I was ready to play on a bigger field and to learn from new people who I felt were new, were really doing this job at the very highest level. And so I moved over to what was then William Morris. And about five or six years after I started there, we merged with Endeavor and haven't looked back since. It's been 13 years.
0: And... What skills would you say make for a good agent? What qualities um, have led to your success? I imagine it's, uh, you know, obviously the social side, right? I'm assuming you are on a ton of calls. Yeah, I mean, I think
1: that one of the cool things about this job is that, in fact, there are, like with any job, you know, many different ways of performing it, of doing it. And different agents um, approach the job, you know, kind of lean into different aspects of their skills or personalities or temperaments in order to help their writers get where they need to go. I think for me specifically, I am, I'm very good actually editorially, and I'm quite good at helping writers develop what I like to say is the biggest potential iteration of their project or idea. So I think it's really the, my ability to, say, triangulate between the creative process and connect with the writers, both in terms of the challenges that they, they face in trying to write something. So let's say I, I speak that language to a certain extent. And to sort of put the hat of commerce on and without asking them or expecting them to compromise their creative vision, I'm able, in best case scenarios, I'm able to help sort of work with that vision and be true to it while also understanding the um, demands and expectations and desires of the marketplace in order to, as I said, allow that project to deliver on its full potential, both creatively, aesthetically, as well as um, find the biggest audience possible. I think I, I that's maybe my special sauce, and I quite enjoy doing that kind of work as well. And I think I would also just say passion, you know, real deep engagement and respect for the process, for the work that the writer does above all else. I find that when I am working with someone whose talent is undeniable, no matter at what stage in their career they are, no matter, you know, how much development maybe there may still need to be in, um, in having that talent fully come to fruition. I'm just awed, and um, it's a, a form of human achievement and expression that I respect so profoundly and moves me so profoundly that I find it really easy to get out there and fight and advocate and work the butt off on behalf of people who have those abilities. It's something I, I, I really believe in. And so I think that for someone to be successful in this business, they, ha- they really, I would say commonality, sort of common um, abilities or temperament would be you know, real true love of writers and writing of books and a kind of hunger to make things happen. I think being able to, you know, being proactive, having a sense of a, a push which can manifest itself at different levels of aggressiveness and different styles. But I think having sort of hustle combined with a real admiration and passion for, for books are probably prerequisites for anybody.
0: We usually frame our episodes around specific themes. Would you be down to kind of school us on writing from an agent's perspective and maybe the process for which uh, someone gets signed or finds an agent?
1: Yeah, I'd love to speak through that lens, of course.
0: Awesome. So, my first question, um, and I know this is a little bit of a broad question and everyone always asks, but I think it's the, the first question we have to ask is, and again, I know this isn't always the same steps, but could you walk us through from a high level how a writer finds an agent or vice of versa? Of course,
1: I can. I'm, I'm happy to. I only pause because there isn't, there are. St- so many different paths. So I'm just giving a little bit of
0: thought to
1: um, maybe the, the the highest level ones, let's say, so that I don't endlessly digress in, in <laughs> trying to answer that question. I would say I think it would be helpful for us to define our terms a little bit in, in answering this question. So if or define our audience even, if we're talking about a debut writer, someone who has never had an agent before someone who has not published a book before. And let's say that we're also talking about someone whose work is pretty, let's say it's, it's, it's not a manual, you know, it's not a textbook. It's, we're talking about someone who's looking for a general trade publisher. So let's, I think they, there are a few different tracks through which they come to me. In some cases, people come to me as a referral. So an editor may know a writer or have met a writer through their own travels, whether that's to MSA programs or, you know, maybe it's, uh, I do not even know, you know, people meet aspiring authors all over the place. But I would say that sometimes an editor will approach me about a writer they've discovered or even someone they've been following themselves. Maybe, Maybe this person's been publishing in literary magazines or perhaps it's a journalist who's you know, just published a really interesting piece on on Slate or Medium, in some cases the editor may have reached out to that person themselves because some editors are really quite entrepreneurial um, and proactive in that way and don't just wait for agents to send things but are also sometimes, you know, have their eye out for discovery themselves. You know, I know a lot of editors, so sometimes it will be an editor who approaches me and says you know, uh, would you be willing to have a look at this person's work, or I've been following this person's work, think they're talented, they have a book idea, they need an agent. Because no no editor who's legit is going to want to make a deal with a writer without an agent's involvement. So sometimes they come to me through an editor. Certainly sometimes writers are, if it's a, a somewhat established writer and they're looking to make a move in representation then quite often they're coming to me through an editor. Their editor may know that they want to make a move and is, you know, help, trying to help facilitate that. So that happens from time to time as well. Other ways, I look, at, I look at the query letters that come to me. I mean, I have a phenomenal assistant. I'm lucky enough. And usually, you know, the, my assistant is the first hoop through which uh, an aspiring author needs to jump. But he looks at every, you know, every email, query letter that comes in, and he you know, sort of separates the wheat from the chaff. He knows my taste, um, has a sense of what I'm looking for, knows what a good query letter looks like, and he will bring to my attention those unsolicited queries that he thinks have some promise. So, you know, I'm I'm 20 years into this, I still look at that stuff. I mean, I've found over the years. Very often, I you know, assign people based on a cold query approach. So that certainly happens. It's you know, become harder to pay ample attention to those things um, over the years. Just one being really busy and my list somewhat full, that can be a little bit harder to find the time to do than it used to be. But nevertheless, we take those very seriously, um, say, over the transom uh, queries. And have gotten to a point, certainly, where you know, we can tell within three seconds looking at something if it bears further consideration um, or or not. So querying is, you know, remains a very common, uh, very common way. And then also I, I visit MF, certain MFA programs. I will visit, I'm a graduate of the University of Iowa's MFA program in creative writing and I go and I visit the writer's workshop every couple of years and, you know, other I look at certain literary magazines, so we're where we? At? you know, I read, constantly reading magazines and newspapers and looking for, looking for talent, so those are, some of the, those are some of the ways.
0: You mentioned uh, from reading a query letter uh, that uh-huh. usually, pretty quickly, you'll know whether uh, it's worth consideration. What factors make that, and what's your advice for those, maybe, new writers who are writing their first query?
1: It's one of those things, you know, <laughs> it's like a muscle that's so well exercised that it's almost hard to go back and figure out, you know, what those, <laughs> <laughs> what those exercises were that held it. But I would say fundamentally, but, I mean, maybe it's better for me to say say what, what does work than what doesn't work. Sure. Okay, to really have, uh, first and foremost, I'm looking at, I take seriously the writer who's done her homework. So I'm not interested in, I'll, I'll delete a query immediately that says, Dear agents. So, you know, if you think that this, or I would think this should be very obvious, but unfortunately it is not obvious to everyone. So, first of all, some real basics. If 50 other agents are CC'd and it's a mass mailing that's going out to, to everyone, I delete it. I don't even look at it. If it is, you know, a dear agent letter, um, again, I don't look at it. I'm not interested, and no good agent is interested in some kind of a mass mailing. This is a business, and (laughs) um, that's not how you would approach trying to get a job. It's not how one should approach trying to get an agent. So first and foremost, I want to see that the letter is specifically aimed to me. And I want to see that there's uh, that the author has done his or her homework and that they're approaching me for a reason. So I think I want to see some evidence that, you know, they know who I am. They know what my list is like, that they're approaching me because they want what I specifically have to offer. And that comes through, you know, very early on in the query letter. So everything, again, from getting my name right, um, <laughs> to showing that they know, you know, they know something about my list or that they're approaching me because they know I represent Amor Toles and they lots of gentlemen in Moscow and they think that, that in some ways what they're doing may appeal to a similar kind of sensibility or taste or that they know that I did The Boys in the Boat and they understand that I'm interested in quality, gripping, moving, narrative nonfiction. So I need to see that there's a professionalism there and that they understand how to do that homework and they understand that that homework is expected of them as it would be expected of any business professional. So I certainly want to see that. And then I think, um, you know, knowing how to, this can be really, really challenging for writers, understandably, actually, but knowing how to write about their own work knowing how to describe what it is they're doing, which again, it sort of goes to the homework, having done the homework question. It's understanding that when they're taking a project and they're approaching an agent, they're crossing a line that goes, you know, it's the art meets commerce, right? So understanding that what they are trying to do in entering the publishing industry is that, you know, they're trying to find an audience and so they want to get paid for their work. They're professionalizing. So under for them to show an understanding of where their own project falls in the literary landscape, you know, being able to, to write about it, to talk about what they're doing in a way that both makes the project, represents the project in its most, you know, in a compelling light, cogent, and that... Shows some understanding of their own influences, or the books that are out there with which theirs is in conversation. That also goes to why they're querying me in in particular, right? It's it's sort of a part of that same thing. It's saying, oh, I'm writing something. You know, my novel has certain resonances with Eric Fuchner's work, and or certain resonances with. Amor Poles' work, whatever, and, but, you know, but also I was influenced by, or I feel there's, you know, I could, my, my book could end up on a shelf next to Ann Patchett's, and you know, it just shows that they understand the world and where they potentially fit as an author in that industry, in that world, right? So I really love to see those things, and so very often a, a letter comes in to me, and it's, again, it's cogent. It's professional, it's clear that this is a person who sees themselves and their work in a professional way, they know a little, they know, you know, they've availed themselves of ample information that's out there, they're a big reader, and that they understand where their you know, material may sit, those are things that really will catch my eye. And potentially get me to, at very least, I'll read the entire query letter
0: um,
1: (laughs) and think about um, making contact if it sounds interesting to me.
0: Do any other factors about the writers themselves factor into the decision to work with them? Um, Let's say they maybe wrote not the best query letter, but they've got a little social media presence or experience in other fields, does that play into it? It depends
1: what the project is, so I think the answer would be for some agents, yes, because Let's say we're talking about a nonfiction project, and let's say it requires a certain level of expertise. Let's say it's a business book, and this is a person who has you know published regularly in Business Insider, or it's somebody who has you know built a social media following that's pretty substantive, what we call platform, right so I think a question like a platform is quite important. In fact, if we're talking about a certain kind of book, if we're talking about a prescriptive book, a book, uh, whether that takes the form of you know, advice or how-to or even inspiration, there are certain areas of publishing where it's really quite essential to have a robust platform. And so those authors, their approach is gonna be different and what an agent who specializes in those in those kinds of books, what they're looking for is going to be completely different from what an literary agent who is in the business of discovering new voices. So you see it's just very much dependent upon what kind of writer the person is, what kind of material they're working on. You can have somebody who um I mean, many agents, they're out there and they're discovering writers. They're discovering them through not even, you know, not the writers querying them. They're discovering writers through podcasts, through, you know, big blogs that have big followings. They're looking for writers specifically who have followings already, even if those followings are not as a writer, (laughs) If if they're as a creator of a different kind, right? or an influencer of a different kind that may lend itself to doing a book. But the kinds of writers that mostly I'm looking for are leaning, tending to lean pretty heavily on their writerly talent and the quality of the concept of the book. So there are things that matter that can be additive. Having an MFA from a fantastic program, having one certain Contests, publishing—you know—if it's a nonfiction writer having you know published articles in prominent publications, you know, The Atlantic, The New York Times—you know, those are things certainly that are added can be really additive and exciting to to a profile when someone's approaching me. But those things in and of themselves aren't enough, let's say. So if we're talking about an aspiring novelist who um whose query letter isn't particularly compelling and who has four thousand followers on Twitter, that doesn't matter to me because it's all about the writing. If you're talking about a novel, if you're talking about a certain kind of book, it's it's just all about what can you do on the page. But if we're talking about someone who wants to write a cookbook, who is, you know, an Instagrammer has an Insta- uh, Instagram presence and they've got a baking thing on Instagram and they have 423,000 followers on that. I mean, I'm not the agent they're going to come to, but they're going to be able to get an agent based upon that level of platform and following.
0: One more question uh, before we move on to the actual kind of signing process and your day-to-day working together with a writer. How does union factor in as being part of like the writer's union? I know that for actors, is a big catch-22 right. for getting an agent. Sometimes you need to be union before you get an agent. You need to be, have an agent before you get in the union. Is that the same thing with novels? And-
1: not at all. Okay. It's not at all, no. Writers don't really have a union in the same way. I mean, there's the Writers Guild. You know, there are, there are bodies that are out there that can help writers know their rights you know, for, or advise them on contractual issues that can help with health insurance um, in some cases. But we don't have, writers don't have a, a union in the same, a SAG or an ASTRA. So it's, it's a non-consideration.
0: Once you're interested in a writer, whether that's through a query or a referral, like you said, what are the next steps? Um, I assume you're not, you know, right out of the gate, you know, inviting them over to the office and, and <laughs> signing them. I assume they have to send over uh, a full manuscript or what are yes, the next again, steps? Yes, again,
1: you know, lots of. Cases, but if we're talking about a person and it's their their first book, I mean the material is paramount. So if I let's just you know take the most standard case scenario where a query letter comes in, it's thoughtful, the project sounds interesting, the person is um, is articulate. They've published in literary magazines, have an MFA. You know, certain, there, you know, certain um, triggers that make me interested in something. Wow, this, this novel or this nonfiction book, you know, sounds like it could really be fascinating. It sounds great. I love the sound of that. Then I will, or my assistant, one of us will reach out to that person. We will request to see material. That's always the very first step. Um, the expectation is. You know, fiction and nonfiction are handled differently. Fiction is sold, you know, an agent sells a work of fiction based on a complete manuscript. An agent sells a work of nonfiction, usually based on a book proposal, which is sort of a slightly different beast. So, um, depending on what the project is that I'm being queried about, I expect there to be some polished material that I can see. Most of the time, a novelist has a full draft ready. The vast majority of the time, a novelist should not be, would not be, you know, the time to query is after one has taken one's work as far as one can. So usually what we're talking about with a with a fiction writer is that I would reach out and request the novel. I would, you know, want to see the draft of the novel. With a nonfiction writer, I would want to see a proposal uh, or you know, a chunk of material, if it's a memoir, if it's narrative nonfiction. So the expectation then is, would be, you know, that the the writer would have polished material at the ready. And my first outreach in response to a query would be, you know, to ask to see material. We would then, you know, we get the material in, we read it as quickly as we can, which sometimes isn't very quickly. <laughs> We're always behind, um, but we read the material, and, and if I fall in love with it, if I fall in love with the voice and it excites me and there are kind of different qualities that can be very exciting, then I'll reach out to the person and we'll set a call or if they're in New York um, or, you know, if we can possibly meet, we do that, and we take, um, we take the conversation from there.
0: Hey everyone, we just wanted to take a quick second to thank you, our listeners, for your continued support. The Writer Experience podcast has been self-funded from the beginning, so whether you're an aspiring writer who has taken inspiration from the podcast, or just enjoy hearing from professional writers, please donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash writerexperience. You can also go to our website writerexperience.com and click the Patreon button. Thank you again, we really appreciate your support and now back to the show and then at some point along the way i imagine is it signing a deal is it an agreement where you choose to rep this person is it a one time thing is it a career time thing how does it work
1: right you know different agents and different agencies have different kinds of agreements but we when i'm signing someone i'm generally not thinking i mean i the hope the goal you know, is to work with them for a long time over multiple projects. You know, the, the hope, again, it's, again for me, and based on the, the model that I practice on my list and the kinds of writers I work with, I'm really looking to build a career, to be there and to help build a career. But that being said, uh, usually we are working um, on a sort of a contractually speaking. We are, it's a representation agreement, and it covers a particular period of time, and then we just keep continue to renew that agreement as we continue to work together. So I have authors that I've been working with for 15 years, 20 years, 10 years, 8 years, you know, uh, and we just keep sort of, you know, re-upping the paperwork.
0: And what are the next steps uh, once they, let's say you sign or there's an agreement signed, are you working on that initial project they submitted? Do you then reevaluate? all of the material they have to work on?
1: You know, again, the expectation is, and I strongly urge those who are ready and about to query, that they're pitching a specific project, right? Not, they're not, you know, sometimes I'll see a query letter and it will say, I have four novels ready to go. That's not interesting to me. I don't want to see four different things. And then, oh, you know, you decide which one. (laughs) No, no, no. Have your work, you know, know what it is that you're trying to get signed on the basis of. One thing, so I'm, you know, signing the person when I, just to backtrack a teeny bit, when I'm starting to, you know, be in conversation with a potential writer, I'm looking first and foremost at the manifestation of their talent and interests and vision in the particular project at hand that they are, with which they've approached me. But then I'm also thinking about them beyond that project. I'm thinking about talking to them about, do they have any idea what comes next? You know, do they have, um, I'm trying to get a sense, however nascent, you know, where, where might they be in five years? You know, I'm trying to get a vision. And so I'm not just thinking in terms of, hey, oh, I love this thing. You know, I'm just going to sign them up and throw something against the wall and whatever happens, happens. I'm trying from the outset, to use that particular work as an entree in and to look and think and talk, <laughs> converse o- about what that's the first step towards. And sometimes you can see what, you know, you, sometimes you can sort of get a vision of how things might develop for them two or three steps ahead. Sometimes it's really difficult to see that. All you know is that this person is incredibly talented and you just love the way they express themselves and their characters or their ideas or the way they approach the world. And you just say, you know, we'll strategize around the steps as they come. <laughs> you just don't have enough information to know. So let's assume then that, we, that the, the, the author and I have really clicked and that we feel that we're copacetic and that we want to work together. That, yes, there's, you know, paperwork that the agency issues. And as I said, it's, it's a time period. Um, I consider that a formality. I'm really you know, trying to build a career, work with someone for their career. And then we will start to dig in on the project itself. Um, we will, you know, I've signed them on the basis of a, a novel or a collection or a, a nonfiction project. And we will work together and start back and forth thing on getting that material ready to be sold in the marketplace. And so that's a developmental process. And um, it can mean reading and editing and discussing and conceptualizing a manuscript or a book proposal, and that can take a while. Or the project can feel very close to being ready to going out, and it's just a question of tweaking some stuff. So there are different ways that pro- and different timetables across which that process can take place of getting a project ready to go out into the marketplace. But that's a process I take extremely seriously. I sign very little, you know, very few people because I put a tremendous amount of time into every project at every stage of the life of that project. So some agents, their business model relies a little bit more on quantity. They are perhaps, you know, more open and willing to take flyers on more projects and more clients. They're not necessarily then able to have the bandwidth to invest a lot of time and energy into developing a given project. They're more, you know, moving things along fast, get it out fast, some things are gonna stick, some things aren't gonna stick, but they end up with a lot in the pipeline and some of that stuff's gonna work. My model is more, where I'm trying, as I said earlier, my special sauce, where I'm trying to identify projects and authors that I feel have the potential, both conceptually and as far as the author goes, temperamentally, to do something that can really cut through the noise and end up feeling big or really impactful, something, things that matter or that I feel matter, that really speak to me. And I'll invest a lot of time and energy. If I feel something has that upside, I will try to bring that project to a really high level before going into the marketplace with it. And in that way, I'll try to give that author the greatest amount of choice and competition and opportunity. So I do fewer and bigger is what I'm going (laughs) for generally.
0: Regarding that day-to-day working relationship, What should your clients do to help you? And what are things that they might do that don't help so much?
1: Assuming a very, I'm going to assume here, obviously, once someone is a client, this is a person who has real talent and real capacity for revision. Um, So what they can do is they can be really persistent as i'm really persistent. So first of all it goes back to appetite, having a real stamina and an appetite for getting the work to a very high level. That requires a writer who can put the work consistently ahead of the need for instant gratification. So i would just say patience and tenacity, open mindedness, in terms of engagement in the editorial development process. And at the same time, they're not a ghostwriter for me. I mean, I fully expect they have their own vision and their own, you know, parameters for what they want to do. But to, I, I suppose what I'm saying is during the period of time when we're developing the project before going into the marketplace with it, we're really in a partnership. They are the artist. They are the creator. I don't pretend to be that. But to be able to have very honest, erring on the side of over communicating to build a real trust, a real bond of trust there, to be able to um, back and forth on being on the same page in terms of what we're going for and what our vision is and what we want this book to do and to be, and then to have the stamina and the excitement about the project to be able to go back in and revise and. You know, to sort of trust that it's worth it to do this work up front because it's what it's going to mean is that a lot more doors are going to open for them when we go into the market. So, being a willing and enthusiastic partner in that process is, is just essential. For both of us and that requires a lot of communication and you know being being able to you know if something doesn't feel quite right say you know something doesn't feel quite right can we talk a little more about this not holding a grudge <laughs> you know, nursing uh and you know not letting anything kind of stew right. but be, really being upfront with each other and working really hard and both with the with the goal of putting the quality of the material ahead of everything else so I, I would say communication and stamina are key and really helpful. I would say a certain level of organization. Can, you know, just being really pragmatic. There are a lot of drafts going back and forth. Anxieties can, you know, people, there's no writer who's, that I've ever worked with who isn't anxious, um, doesn't have concerns and anxieties at points. An entirely natural one would. So just being organized in terms of, um, you know, not sending me seven different drafts, uh, Oh wait a second! I I sent that to you too quickly. <laughs> Just um, kind of streamlining communication is, you know, often very helpful. Some for some writers that can be difficult. It's, I've worked with every type. It's all cool, but certainly it's 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 terrific when someone you know has a has an organizational system and um, you know where we're able to communicate in a streamlined way is very helpful as well.
0: At what point does the publisher become involved? Is that something that happens early on, or is all the work you're doing with the writer getting it to that point where you can then bring it to publishers, or is it kind of a mix of both, depending on the situation?
1: Most of the time, you know, the, the writer has come to me and there's not a publisher on board, and we are doing everything to some extent on spec, so to speak. I'm investing my time, which is really the, the main resource I have, and they're investing their time. And we are getting the project into a shape, we're then gonna go and try to sell it and find the publisher, get the publisher on board. So in terms of the different silos into which my job falls, so there's sort of that first silo of signing, uh developing the project, and then I take it out into the marketplace to the publishers. And I then, you know, make the best deal. And there are a lot of different ways of defining the word best in this case. But that's when we go out and we sell the project to a publisher and we bring the publisher on board. And then the sort of second, another new phase of the job and the relationship is launched at the point where we have the publishing deal. You know, a good agent doesn't just disappear after the deal is made. A really good agent just understands that after the deal is made, one phase of their job has come to a close and another phase of their job is now opened. And that second phase has to do with, um, you know, certainly less involvement than the first phase, but the second phase still has to do with, you know, helping to negotiate, navigate, let's say, the relationship between the editor and the author and, and understanding what's happening internally in the publishing process in order to continue to advocate for the author and for the work and make sure that it's being well-edited and that it's being then positioned effectively um, internally in the publishing house so that it has the best shot of being published really in in a very skillful and strategic and appropriate and aggressive way.
0: And then we know your goal for your clients? What is your ultimate goal for yourself? I imagine it's obviously, um, helping develop these writers. Are you a writer yourself? Is that a conflict of interest? Are there agents who are writers? I'm curious kind of what your kind of career trajectory is from here and for agents in general. There
1: are some agents who write also. I think for most of us, it's so consuming. Being an agent is so consuming. It's, it's just as far as time goes. For those of us who also have families, I think for most of us it's who are kind of agenting full-time and are in the sort of thick of mid-career or whatever, who aren't pulling back from their agenting career, to be able to be a really good agent and to be able to um, have some kind of a family life is, or have a good family life, it's sort of, at least I found it to be prohibitive in terms of bandwidth for being able to write also, simply because there's just so much reading. There's so much reading to do in addition to every other aspect of our day job. So it can be really difficult to find the time to write, which doesn't mean that no agents do. There are, you know, a few, some agents who do a little bit of that. Or who we'll pull back from, from agenting at a certain point in order to write, just as there are some editors who, who do that as well. But it's not, maybe it's not as common as, as you might think from you know, going to the editor thing so that those editors who are also writers, most of the time, vast majority of the time, 80% to 90% of the time, they end up stopping being an editor in order to create if they've had enough success that they can do that. They stop editing, and to, in order to write full time, so it's very difficult. It's a very difficult things to juggle. As far as personal goals, you know, when I come back to over the years of doing this, there have been times where I've certainly felt pulled in a lot of different directions in terms of my ambitions and what I feel I want. What I come back to. I'd say like the past couple of years of political um upheaval, I think of it especially clarifying, but so so were the economic you know, the economic downturn and the shifts in publishing that happened around two thousand eight and two thousand nine, where it's also a very clarifying time. I find that every, you know, handful of years I have a very clarifying moment where I realize that my goal <laughs> is just to work with writers and thinkers and creators who wow me with their talent and their souls and their abilities. (laughs) Um, There's something for me, and I would just say to work on the best books and storytelling (laughs) that I can find. I think I really believe in the power of words and stories to bring good to the world, into the world. I mean, even really dark, difficult words and stories and ideas. I think there's just something foundationally important in storytelling or in articulating ideas really well. I think there's a kind of connectedness that can be made, and I think it can be life changing for people. So I certainly feel in certainly in this time that we're living through, more than ever before, I'm motivated by the desire to work with books that are bringing something meaningful into the world, and that, again, that, that word meaningful can be interpreted in many different ways, <laughs> and I love the diversity of my list. I love that I can interpret meaningful in different ways yeah. and find projects that fit that bill, and, you know, that are vastly different from one another, but I don't want to do just throw away stuff. I don't want to just do merch, a piece of merch. I don't want to engage with a project solely for the purpose of commerce. I mean, I like commerce important. I work for a big company and I, you know, I'm very mindful of commerce, but I don't want to work on a project solely because there may be a commercial upside. I want to work on things where there is the potential for both, uh, uh, you know, uh, for something lucrative to happen. But even more important, I want to work on projects that I feel speak to the zeitgeist in some way that are illuminating and additive and worthy of conversation. That's what I want. I want to just keep doing that. I want my list to be ever more filled with those voices and those kinds of projects that matter in the world. (laughs) That's what I want. It brings me tremendous tremendous kind of meaning in my own life and satisfaction and um it just goes very deep every time that i'm that i feel i'm able to to help bring something into the world that has an impact
0: love that Um, love it um what is one piece of advice or one learning from your career that you would like to pass down to aspiring writers out there looking to maybe find an agent for the first time
1: Yeah. Have patience. Do not send out your work before it's ready. It's the number one mistake that I see aspiring writers make. They are so involved with getting to the next level, quote unquote, that they feel the pressures of their ego. Don't we all? I get it. But they they become Very, very often, they're putting the desire, the need for ego gratification, which is maybe too simplistic a way of saying it, but I trust people will know what I mean. They're putting that in front of the work. They're putting that before the work. And I would just say, it's going to sound strange to say, but I really believe this, and I've seen it borne out again and again and again, that it's really hard to find an agent if your project isn't that good yet. It's just really friggin' hard to find an agent, especially to find a really good one. It's really pretty easy to find an agent because the work is outstanding. There are just a lot of us and we're all kind of looking for the same thing. (laughs) That's the answer. The answer is put in the time (laughs) and just shut out the noise that says it's gotta be now or my friend got a book deal or I got a first draft, I should be finding an agent. Defining an agent is actually the last step.
0: There it is. Do you have time for some very quick bonus questions, which we call a series of seemingly <laughs> random questions? Sure. Number one, of all the writers who have ever lived or existed or you've read, is there one writer you wish you could have worked with, and if you could bring them to any fast food restaurant, which one would you choose? That's a
1: bitch of a question. Um. I will probably revisit this and revise it in my mind repeatedly over the next 20 years of my life. But for the (laughs) moment, I think I would just say J.K. Rowling. I'm the mom of two daughters who have grown up on the Potter series. I've read it out loud the entire series probably four or five times. And to have, you know, a child, I have a 15-year-old daughter, I first read the series to her when she was five, and still 10 years later, she is, you know, profoundly immersed in it once again, has returned to it, you know, in the company of her younger sister. So, you know, when I, and, and the more time I spend with Potter and Potterheads and in the Potter universe, sort of the, the more I appreciate the real brilliance of that. Series and what those books have done for a generation, a generation and a half, really. I, I believe that this created a generation of English majors who, and of readers and even of writers. So, and I and I also think she's just enormously talented, not not just with the Potter series. Yeah, I think she's the real. I think she's the real thing, and I think that again, those books have such heart and you know really punch above their weight and have clearly meant something very, very, very significant to so many people. So I, I think it would, you know, just in a very, very personal way, because my children matter to me more than anything, the idea of you know, having J.K. Rowling alive uh, would just be a kind of a, a really extraordinary thing. Um, so I, and then as far as fast food, you know, I would never take her to a fast food restaurant.
0: No one's I would bring that her yet. home
1: for a home-cooked meal. I mean, I, I would <laughs> want to sit around my big old wooden table with her and my kids and feed her and, and you know, dab. It's hard, it's hard for me to imagine taking her to a fast food restaurant. So, yeah, I think I would just forgo the fast food and ask her to wait patiently at my table drinking a really nice glass of wine while I make her some something hearty and home-cooked.
0: That's a great answer. No one said no to the fast food yet, and we've been waiting for it, so... Thank you. Um, Okay, (laughs) Next quick question. What's one thing people get wrong about agents? What's a misconception? Obviously, there's a lot of allure and mystery behind the world of agents. What do you want to set straight?
1: Literary agents are just humans who love books and love writers. And you don't need to be nervous. You don't Uh, need to be intimidated. (laughs) I I would say the greatest misconception is that we're a bunch of bullies who are just in it for the money. We can have certainly really strong personalities and certainly we can have a lot of push, you know, a lot of hustle, as I said before, even aggressiveness, a different maybe kind of energy about us, some of us, than writers have. You know, I'm I'm really generalizing here, but I think that there's a kind of, maybe in some cases, self-perpetuated Mystique around the idea of the agent and agents, and that some agents, you know, see that as a source of power. um, uh, You know, power over a writer to have this, you know, this has a certain kind of mystique and intimidating, foreboding kind of quality. And I think that it's really, really essential for writers to remember that your agent, in order for the author-agent relationship to flourish. And to really, really function at the highest level, you are just playing. You know, the, the writer, again, I say the writer is at the center of this. It's their talent, it's their ability. You know, they're the ones, they're the creators, and they're at the center of the picture. And it is really essential to be able to communicate in an open and honest way with their agent. And so that starts with remembering that agents are looking to connect. We are looking to fall in love. We have, that passion is there. It should be there. It must be there. It's a prerequisite for anything good to happen. That passion needs to be there. And so that really what the writer's trying to do is just tap into that. You know, we're not so scary.
0: The last question of the show, maybe the most intense question, did
1: you have fun today? Oh, I loved today. This was a
0: really <laughs> fun
1: conversation. Absolutely. It was super fun to be able to like, take a step out of the nitty-gritty right. and the pinging emails of the day and remind oneself to take a 30,000-foot view of one job <laughs> exactly. and remind oneself of how lucky one is to be able to do this. So, um, loved it. So appreciate you giving me the opportunity and really appreciate your thoughtful
0: questions. And we appreciate you. We know, obviously, based on the, this whole conversation, you're a very busy person. So we really appreciate you making the time. And I couldn't be happier with how this turned out. I really think it was a window into a world that um, a lot of people want to know about. And I think there's a lot of value in it. So thank you so much for the You're amazing welcome. Conversation. I hope it's helpful to people. You too, Dorian. Thanks again. And thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McCleod.